welcome you to Crossroads. It is a new month, and with a new month, that means we have lots of new things going on. One of those things we kind of highlighted last week, we have a new couples community group that starts in the month of February. So if you're late uh, 20s and you're in a couple, or you're a couple, uh, married couple, and if you're in your early 30s, no, wait a minute, I said that wrong. I had to, we had to change it. I got, the day, I got it wrong. Hold on. It's late 30s, early 40s. I'm sorry. So anyway, uh, and you're a married couple and you're interested in a group, uh, again, they're going to be out in the lobby, I think, after the service at the table you see just to the right of when you, come in, you were coming in. Uh, you'll meet the leaders there. They'll get your information and get you plugged in. Let me go back. Late 30s, early 40s. I had it totally wrong because I thought they were much younger than they were, you know. So, again, uh, and they corrected me. The other thing is this. Next uh, Sunday will be February the 11th. It's the Sunday before Valentine's Day. Uh, and we hadn't done anything in a while, so we kind of wanted to do something special. So uh, be here next week. Bring the love of your life, the potential love of your life, uh, the people you don't love at all that you need to love. Uh, and come next week. We've got a little something special an opportunity for you to uh, kind of get together, make a picture, do that kind of stuff. We don't do that a lot, but we're going to do that next week. Uh, we have something for the ladies. And we know it's not Mother's Day. These are not all mothers. These are Valentines. Uh, so, again, we're going to take care of you. So be here uh, early, stay late, and enjoy. Well, again, if you've been here the last couple of weeks that we've been here, because we missed one week, uh, we, we've been actually looking uh, at the book of Nehemiah. And, and really, I, I love this story. Uh, the thing that I love about this whole story of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah is just a regular guy. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a patriarch. He's not a king. He's just an ordinary guy, which is like most of us, that God uses in an extraordinary way. And what's really interesting is this. He worked at an ordinary job because he actually worked in the service industry like some of you. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king which wasn't really a high-status job, but when you think about that job, it was a high-trust job because Nehemiah was one of those people, the few people, who got to go in all of the meetings with the king. Anytime he was meeting with high-level people, Nehemiah would be there. So Nehemiah's job wasn't just to keep the king hydrated, but he was the cupbearer, so his job was to keep the king alive because he would taste the wine before the king would drink the wine because, if you remember, people wanted to kill the king. So Nehemiah had one of those jobs that, you know, it was kind of cushy, but it wasn't so cushy. So we have Nehemiah living in the palace. He's living in the palace with the king with all the accompaniments of the palace. And besides the occupational hazard that he might die at any moment from being poisoned by wine. I mean, he really had a pretty cushy job. Until one day, his brother and a couple of friends show up with a message that they know that they need to give Nehemiah. And it's this message that would cause Nehemiah to fight for a place he had never been and also to fight for people that he had never met. You see, Nehemiah would ask his friends, how are things going? How are things going down in Jerusalem? And this would be the response. We actually find it in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. 
They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Think about it. The walls have been torn down and the gates are wide open. So without the walls, you know what that means? That means the enemy can break in. Without the walls, there's no hope, there's no jobs, there's no security. And most importantly, without the walls, that meant that there was no place for the presence of God, the temple. So Nehemiah's heart was broken because he knew that that was not God's plan for his people. See, God's plan for his people is that they would be the light of the world, a testimony to his greatness. And you know, that's still God's plan, that we would be the light of the world, that we would be a testimony. But that was God's plan then. But what Nehemiah knew is that the walls were down, that God's people were living so far below God's plan. So what did Nehemiah do? We, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Weeks ago. Nehemiah began to, pl- to pray and to fast. And when he prayed, God actually gave Nehemiah a plan. God put a plan, as he fasted and prayed, God put a plan in Nehemiah's heart. And it kind of tells us that if we're going to live the lives that God has for us, then we've got to get a plan. Because what we understand is that walls don't build themselves. We need to pray like Nehemiah and we need to fast. So that we can hear from God and ultimately know the purposes that God has for us and for our lives. We're going to get in his word. And we're going to know his word. We're going to get in His Word so that we can know His Word, so that we can live out His Word. We've got to get a plan, and we've got to do what we talked about last week. What did we say last week? We're going to move the line. We're going to move the line so far back from sin and and death and destruction, so far back that when the enemy comes with an invitation to step away from the things that God has called us to, we've moved that line so far back that we can stand. We can stand against the enemy's attack. And instead, we can advance into the purposes that God has for us and for our life. So Nehemiah gets a plan. We talked about that. Nehemiah gets a plan. And not only does he get a plan, he works the plan. And this is what it says after he surveyed the damage. He calls all the people together. And in Nehemiah 2, verse 17, here's what it says. He says, then I gave them my report. Face it. We're in a bad way here. Jerusalem is a wreck. Its gates are burned up. So come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem and not live with this disgrace disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me and and how the king was backing me up. We talked about that, that in week one. And the people, look at what the people said. They said, we're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves, ready. Look at what it says, ready for the good work. 
They rolled up their sleeves. Why would they roll up their sleeves? They rolled up their sleeves because there was work to be done. So I have a question. And I think this question sets the tone for you and for your life and for our church. And the question is this, are you ready? Are you ready for the good work? Are you ready for the good work? There's work to do. The question is, are you, Crossroads, ready for the good work? Turn to somebody and say, and ask them, are you ready for the good work? Turn to your wife, turn to your husband, turn to your boyfriend, turn to somebody you don't like and say, are you ready for the good work? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get you people out of these seats. Are you ready for the good work? Because to some of you, that may sound a little daunting. And to others, it sounds a little beneath you. Because some of you are like, kind of like me, you're overachievers. Are you ready for the good work? I want to go back to that question. Jay, go back there. See the word good? The reason I highlighted that there? The word good actually comes from another word. I'm going to show you that too. It comes from the word tough. The word tav, here's what it means. Look at the screen behind me. It means something that fulfills the purpose for which it was created. We say, are you ready for the good work? When we say the word good, what we're actually saying and what Nehemiah was saying, that's the same word that we find in the creation story in Genesis. I mean, think about the creation story. When God said it was good, You know what God wasn't saying? God wasn't saying, you know, I've created man and woman and they're amazing. That's not what he's saying. I created the heavens and earth and it was out of this world. He said, I created man and I created woman and I created the heavens and the earth. And he said it was good. And when God said it was good, he was saying this. Now. It's good. So now it's going to fulfill its purpose. It's good. It's the same word we find in the story of Joseph. After years of captivity, Joseph finally meets with his brothers. And Joseph says, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Now it's going to fulfill its purpose. So you know what that tells us? It tells us that even though something may not feel good, it can still be good. Even though it may not feel good, it can still be good. Because it fulfills the purposes of God in our life. And when you think about it, that's the good work that God has called us to. Because see, if there's anything I know, is that God has called us on purpose. He's called you on purpose. He's called you on purpose for a purpose. You were created by an amazing creator who gave you unique talents and gifts and abilities. 
You were created to do something in the lives of other people that makes a difference. You were created to do things that honestly will outlast you. As a matter of fact, that's God's plan. And that's God's purpose for you. Look at, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things that he planned for us to do long ago. We all have work to do. But when you work, it's different. See, listen to me, listen. When you work, you carry his presence and you carry his power into every situation you walk into. Into every situation that you walk into, his presence and his power is with you. God loves to partner with ordinary people to do the extraordinary. And that's one of the reasons why the story of Nehemiah is so interesting and encouraging. But when you really think about it, God doesn't need us. I mean, think about it. The story of Nehemiah. God could have built the walls in 52 seconds. He didn't need Nehemiah. He didn't need those people that Nehemiah put together. God could have rebuilt those walls in 52 seconds. He could have done it just instantly. But instead, he chooses with the people to partner some things that they had never seen before. So that they could be part of the work that he wanted to bring into those people's lives. And that's what God wants to do with us. God wants to partner with us to bring hope into hopeless situations. God wants to partner with us to bring light into a dark world. But the thing that you and I have to understand is good work. Listen, listen. Good work takes work. Because it wasn't enough for Nehemiah to just weep and to fast and to pray for those poor people in Jerusalem. Nehemiah had to leave the place of comfort. Nehemiah had to leave the palace. He had to go. He had to step into his purpose. And the first thing I want you to know is that if you're going to step into life, if you're actually, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're actually going to step into the supernatural, if you're going to accomplish the thing that God has for you, then here's the first thing you need to say. Look at the screen behind me. You have got to leave the place of comfort to go to a place of calling. Because understand me, as long as Nehemiah was in the palace, as long as Nehemiah was in the comfort of the palace, you know what that means? He got to enjoy the benefits of the palace. I mean, think about it. He was the the cupbearer to the king, drinking the finest wine. So that meant that he got to take advantage of the benefits of the palace. I mean, think about it. He was enjoying the benefits of Babylon And yet at the same time, he was not a Babylonian citizen. 
Nehemiah was a foreigner. He was an alien. And it kind of reminds us of us. Listen to me this morning. We may get the benefits of this culture. Come on now. But we're not citizens of this culture. We may get the benefits of society, but we're not members of the society. We are citizens of a spiritual kingdom. And there are going to be times where you need to understand that we need to look different and we need to act different. There are going to be times that we need to stand up differently. And I believe right now you and I are living in such a time as this. And it might look weird. And it might feel different to other people. But we are a called people according to a purpose. This culture is not our home. But let's do what I'm about to say. This culture is also not our enemy. So we will not criticize people. But we will prophesy potential over people. Because that is our calling. Our calling is to bring hope to the hopeless. Our calling is to bring light into the darkness. And it may look foreign and it may look alien. But this is the purpose unto which the people of God are called. But in order for us as the people of God to step into our purpose, let me just tell you, it can be uncomfortable at times. We have to leave the comfortable life in order for us to actually live the life that we were created for. And that's what we see in Nehemiah. That's exactly what Nehemiah did. He stepped away from the palace so he could actually step into his calling. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but we live in a society that that values comfort over calling. I mean, think about it. We live in a society that values comfort over calling, that values pleasure over purpose. You and I live in a culture that says, you know what, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, and as long as it's not hurting anybody, it's all good. But can I tell you, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. Just think about that. Think about where that's gotten us. We have more children living in broken homes than we've ever had before. And it happens because somebody did what they wanted, when they wanted, with somebody else or whoever they wanted. We have more alcohol and drug addiction than we've ever had before. Because people did what they wanted, when they wanted, with who they wanted. We have more people right now dealing with depression than we've ever had. And the reason is because people have lost a sense of purpose. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 18. The writer says this, Where there is no vision, 
the people cast off restraint. When there is no purpose in your life, when there is no vision in your life, when you, listen to me, Crossroads, when you lose the reason to live, then you start thinking that it doesn't matter how you live. So we have to get back to the purpose that we were created for. We, were ha we have to get back to the life that we were created to live. Because you, like me, were created on purpose, for a purpose. And that's the life that we've got to get back to. See, God gave Nehemiah this spiritual revelation when it came to the purposes that God had for him and for his life. And I think, I believe with all my heart, with every fiber of my being, that God wants to do the very same thing for you. So when God gave Nehemiah the revelation, Nehemiah told the people that God had put this, this purpose, that God had put this revelation in his heart. He told the people that this is what God wanted him to do. And not, Nehemiah tells the people, my vision, the one that God has put in my heart, is to rebuild the walls. Wasn't his idea. But it was the thing that God had put in his heart. And see, I think that so many times God wants to bless our life. And I think we settle for this token blessing on what is possible in our lives when actually God wants to do the impossible in our lives. God wants to do the impossible in us. And not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. Henry Blackaby said, if you want to find your purpose, then find where God is working and join him there. If you want to know what your purpose is, find where God is doing something and go there and join him there. Find what God is already doing and then join in what God is already doing. See, I, I have to wonder what would happen if instead of asking God to bless what is on our heart, what, what would happen if we actually asked God what was on his heart? Not, what, not my heart. It's not about my heart. But instead, let me, let me ask God what's on his heart. God, God what's, what is it that's breaking your heart? God, what, what in this world, in, in Lebanon, in Wilson County, in the city limits of Lebanon, Tennessee, what's breaking your heart, and what do you want us to do about it? Because God has called us to an extraordinary work. Not just an ordinary work. And see, I sense in my spirit that God wants to raise the expectation of what he wants to do in us and what he wants to do through us. So let's don't ask God to bless what we have on our heart, but instead let's ask him what's on his heart. Because I'm going to tell you this morning, when you pray that prayer, God, what is it that's on your heart? 
it's not going to take you very long to find out what it is that breaks the very heart of God. Lost people. Broken relationships. The poor, the abused, the hungry, the uneducated. Those are the things that break the heart of God. You know what else breaks the heart of God? A divided church. It breaks His heart. Because when the church is divided, He knows that He won't be able to do what He wants to do if we're all going our separate ways in different directions. See, I promise you, if you pray the prayer, God, what is it that's on your heart and what do you want me to do about it? Can I promise you something? God will answer that prayer. He might not answer it in the moment that you pray it. That answer might come through a message that you hear or a conversation that you have. But I can promise you God will answer that prayer. And what you do with that answer will determine your destiny. And not only will it determine your destiny, it will determine the destiny of the people that are waiting on the other side of that prayer. But remember this. If you pray that prayer, God, what's on your heart and what do you want me to do about it? It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous prayer. It's dangerous, let me tell you why, because it calls you out of your place of comfort and into the uncomfortable place. Into an uncomfortable place, an unsafe place. And let me tell you, you don't have to be like Nehemiah. You don't have to travel a thousand miles. But you just need to move in the direction of somebody who needs what you have. You might give up 30 minutes of your time. You might give up, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago. You might give up 30 minutes of your sleep so you can get into God's Word. So you can understand what's on His heart. So you can know what you're supposed to do about it. Yeah, it actually might mean, up give, mean giving up something that you want. So that you can take the money that you would have spent on what you wanted and you can actually give it to somebody who's in need. Might be giving us some time on a Saturday morning in the coming months as we set our efforts on Second Saturday again. We've already got some things that we're scheduled uh, that we're scheduling that we want you involved in. Again, we're kind of waiting for the weather to break just a little bit because most of these things are outside, but it just might mean giving up some time on a Saturday morning. See, I don't know what it is God is calling you to do. But I do believe that God is calling you out of your comfortable place and into your calling. Your calling is the called place. And when you do that, I just want you to know, it's going to be uncomfortable. It might be uncomfortable. And even though you have to sacrifice something and you have to step out of the comfortable place, when you take that step out of the comfortable place, here's the thing you have to know. God will be honored 
and people will be better. And you will never settle for anything less than the joy that comes from giving your life away and serving and giving other people so that those people can find their purpose to which God has called them. That's what God has called us to. God has called you to get a little uncomfortable. That's your calling. That's your purpose. And let me tell you, there are people waiting for you on the other side of your discomfort. Think about Nehemiah. There were people waiting for Nehemiah. There were people actually waiting for the very thing that God had put on his heart. And it says in verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18, it says that all the people around him, look, look at what it says. It says, they replied at once, yes, let us rebuild the wall. Now think about this. All the people replied, yes, let us rebuild the wall. As incredible a leader as Nehemiah was, this was not going to be just Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. This was not a solo act. As incredible as it will be, think about your life. When God puts something on your heart, it's not going to be just you. It's not going to be a solo act. And that's what we see in Nehemiah chapter 3. It's every person, every family working together to rebuild the walls. I really want to encourage you today, this afternoon, this week, read Nehemiah chapter 3. And that's the thing you're going to see throughout the chapter. Son next to son, next to grandson, next to grandfather, next to father. Daughters. Next to, in front of, behind. Every single bit of the wall, every single gate. It was all covered. It was all taken care of. Why was it taken care of? Because every person did their part. Everybody doing their part. You know what that is? That's the picture of the church. That's the picture of God's people. That's what it looks like when this church functions the way it was created to function. That means there's no gap that's going to be uncovered. That means there's no hole in the wall. Every need is going to be met. And we're going to see God's presence in a stronger way. In our church. And not just in our church, but in our community. In our city. That's the actual picture of what God looks like at his very best. And I love the part that it says in verse 28. We're not going to see it on the screen because it tells us about how they built the wall when it was close to their house. They would build the wall that was close to where they lived inside the city of Jerusalem. And because of the way they built the wall, they would be safer. And because of the way they built the wall, not only would they be safer, the city would be stronger. Because, see, the, the back of the wall to their house would actually be the interior of the wall around the city of Jerusalem. So that meant that when they built their home stronger, 
the city was safer. And when the city was safer, they could all be stronger. It's interesting because I don't know whether you have ever thought about it this way. You couldn't separate one work from the other. Safer homes meant stronger walls. Stronger walls meant a safer city. Think about it. The victory for one was a victory for everybody. And when you're called to partner with God, like we are to see the supernatural, then you can't separate our individual calling from, from the collective calling. The collective calling that all of us have been invited into. We have to commit. Look at it this way because this is what we have to do. I have to commit my good work to God's greater work. Look at the screen behind me. I have to commit, you have to commit my good work that I've been called to. I have to commit my good work to God's greater work. I mean, think about that statement. Look at that statement because if you look at Romans and Corinthians, it says that we are a body and that each of us has a specific gift. Each of us in this room have a specific talent. And if one of us doesn't step up and do our part, then what it tells us is kind of in Nehemiah speaking, there's going to be a hole in the wall. So that means that if every one of us steps in and we do what we are supposed to do, it means our church is going to be a stronger place. It means that we're going to go further faster as we usher in this supernatural work like we've never seen before. There's no separation in the collective call that we all have. And, and the more I thought about this, it's like a paradox to me. Because think about it this way. When it comes to the call that God has placed on your life, and God has placed a call on all of your lives, but when God places a call on your life, think about this, it's all about you. It's all about what God has for you. There's joy and fulfillment that come with that call when you actually walk out the call and serve and give and do the things that God has called you to do in your life. There's joy that comes when you give your life away. I mean, the Word actually says that those who refresh will be refreshed. So think about it. There's so much for you when you give your life away. There's so much for you when you live your life for other people. So on one hand, it's all about you. The call that God has on your life. On one hand, it's all about you. But on the other hand, it's not about you at all. It's about all those other people who are waiting. Listen, listen, listen on the other side of you doing what God called you to do. That's the paradox, you see. It's all about you. It's all about what God has called you to do. But then it's not about you at all because it's about the people who are waiting on the other side of your obedience to the call that God has placed on your life. It's about the generations to come. It's about people stepping into their purpose. 
It's about people that you don't even know. It's about your obedience of the call or to the call of God. And and when you're obedient to that, it rescues those people from the grip of the enemy. So that they can find this life that Jesus came to give them. So the paradox is it's all about you and it's not about you at all. But what I want you to hear is that your story and your calling is great and beautiful on its own. But you will never achieve what you were created to achieve unless you become a part of this greater story. Because listen to me this morning. Your story, it pales in comparison to the greater story that God has invited you into. You might be Luke Skywalker. And if you're Luke Skywalker, you can't be Han Solo. You have a part to play in the story. I mean, think about it. There there are going to be some stones that you can't pick up. There are going to be some battles that you have to fight, and you can't fight those battles on your own. But the real real adventure it begins when each one of us pick up the brick and we start laying the brick next to in front of beside and behind the very people that God has called us to build with together. Because listen to me this morning, the power and the potential of your purpose, it's going to be released, it's going to be released when you get up and you start laying some bricks. It's going to be released when you start serving alongside the people that God has called you to serve with. Look at what it says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 16. When all our enemies had heard about this, the rebuilding of the wall, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their confidence because they realized that this work, this good work, had been done with the help of our God. See, this is what happens. Listen, 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 listen. When we come together and we work together, the enemy loses confidence. Come on now. You almost stayed up and watched that Kentucky-Tennessee game, I'm telling you. But I'm telling you, when we work together, the enemy loses his confidence. And he loses his confidence because he knows we stand together. And he knows that when we stand together, there is no weapon formed against us that can prosper. And he knows that. It also says, in that verse that we just looked at, that it's going to be a testimony. A testimony to the greatness of our God. 
Because you see this good work that the people in Nehemiah were doing? When the word got out about the work that they had been doing, thousands of people began to flood into the city of Jerusalem. People came back to build their homes. People came back to build their lives. Because you see, Nehemiah and the priests and the merchants, they weren't rebuilding those walls for people that they knew. They were rebuilding those walls for people that they haven't even met yet. They were rebuilding those walls for people that they didn't even know. And that's part of our calling. That's part of our collective calling. And it's part of our individual calling. And that calling is, listen, listen to me this morning, that calling is that we would fight for people that cannot fight for themselves. Look at what Nehemiah says in verse 14 of chapter 4. He says, fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. We have to come together. We have to fight together. And the reason we have to fight together is we have a bigger enemy. But even though we have a bigger enemy, we serve a greater God who is fighting for us. He's fighting with us. And he's fighting for your family and he's fighting for your church. And this is what happens. We have to fight. We have to stand together. Because as a church, you know what we want to do? We want to fight for your families. We're going to fight for your children and your grandchildren. We're going to fight for the people that haven't even come through those doors yet. We're going to fight for people that have been buying into the lies of this culture. And we're going to help those people experience the power and the presence of God. Because the power and the presence of God is going to take away any taste of anything they've ever experienced in this culture before. But we're not just called to build a church. We're called to build a city. And that means as a church, we're going to take responsibility for problems that we did not create. going to build for people that we don't even know because we're going to fight and let me tell you this morning when we fight together together there's nothing that we cannot do I want to read this scripture over you because I believe this is what God wants to prophesy over you Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12. And I'm reading this over you, and I'm prophesying this scripture over you. That crossroads, you'll be known as those who can fix anything. You'll be known as those who restore old ruins. You'll be known as those who rebuild and renovate. You'll be known as those who helped make this community livable again. Now look at the very first word, you'll, you and y'all. You 
and y'all. It's our individual call and it's our collective call. So here's my challenge. Pick up a brick. That's my challenge. Pick up a brick. Maybe you need to pick up the, the, the brick of prayer. God, what is it that's breaking your heart and what is it that you want me to do about it? Pray that prayer because I believe God will answer that prayer. I promise you God will answer that prayer. Some of you need to pick up, pick up the brick and just get uncomfortable. You need to carry the weight of the brick. Some of you this week, you know what you need to do? You just need to give up Starbucks. Don't spend $5, $10 on a Starbucks drink and instead carry the weight of that and give that money to a child who needs something. Somebody in our community who needs help. Maybe you just need to give up a little time so that you can help somebody else. And you know, it might be that, you, that your brick is, is something little. But let me say this, that success in your purpose, it just means doing the next right thing. That's what success is, doing the next right thing to carry the presence and the purpose of God everywhere that you go. I'm asking you to pick up a brick. And if you pick up your brick, John Sloan, and I pick up my brick, Randy Cook, and Bill Potter picks up his brick, if we all pick up our bricks, then our church and this city and the world, listen to me, will never be the same. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you so much for an ordinary guy like Nehemiah. An ordinary guy that was open to being used in extraordinary ways. He fasted, he fasted, he prayed, and he heard your voice. He heard the plan, and he worked the plan. And because of what he did and his obedience, not only was he impacted, but people on the other side of what he did were impacted. We want to be those people. God, you've been way too good to us. You provided money to, to put in two 25-ton units when we didn't have the money. You helped a lot of people through that effort. That's just one thing that we've seen. So God, we're asking you to do what only you can do in the lives of these people in this auditorium and those who might be watching or listening online. Because we were created for a purpose and we were called for a purpose. May we pick up the brick and come together and fulfill our individual calling and our collective calling walk out the purpose that you have for us. God, we love you and we thank you as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
the goodness of God. Let's stand together.